Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Pocket Rocket podcast in the series Pandora's Box. I think we're on episode four now, which seems a bit crazy that we've got this far. Um, But we've got a very special guest that's joined Mads and I today. Hello, Hannah. How are you? I'm good, thank you, Mads. How are you? Very, very good, thank you. And we have Olivia Ahofsky here with us today um, from Femtech, which I am very, very, very pleased about. I'm glad we've been able to organise this as she is over in Australia, so on the other side of the world. So thank you for coming, Olivia. It's been um, it's very, very much something me and Hannah have been looking forward to. No, thank you for having me on. Um, we were also chatting about it for anyone who's listening. The time difference is pretty horrific for us. Um, so the gals have been very accommodating and staying up late so I can get up early. Me and Hannah are definitely past our 2pm caffeine cut off time tonight, but that's yeah. absolutely fine. <laughs> um, so for those of you that don't know Olivia, um, she specialises in female health and works alongside um, supplement needs, um, which I'm sure you're all familiar with. And if you haven't, then you should absolutely go check them out. Um, But yes, we we wanted to bring Olivia onto the podcast because we've had a number of questions from people, whether that be uh, a DM, uh, dropping us a voice note, maybe you've responded to our question box. Um, And yeah, we, we wanted to bring an educator onto the podcast because although Mads is a fantastic coach and she knows a lot about this and she and I have a lot of experience from the situations we've been in we can't necessarily speak on it in the same way as Olivia can um and Olivia's talked about her holistic approach um to treating women and and supporting women so I think there's going to be a lot a lot of value that you can bring into this episode and I'm very much looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Let's get stuck into it then. So, Olivia, I think the first place to start maybe and bringing back like a lot of questions from people and just giving a little bit of insight, really. We've been speaking a lot about contraception and obviously hormonal contraception specifically and the impact that that has on the female body. And I think that most of the questions have been surrounded by the impact of somebody's pill on maybe their muscle building or maybe their future fertility or that kind of thing so I think what would be really good to start with is kind of your um, take and opinion and knowledge around what the hormonal contraceptive pill or implant or other method does to the body and the importance of those female hormones that we have and why we need to ensure that they're in place and they're protected I guess. All right so um, I think I mean, obviously, that's such a long, long answer. So let's break it down with the start where it's what a hormonal contraceptive actually does. So what a lot of women get told when they when they get given the pill is that this tricks your body into thinking you're pregnant, so you can't get pregnant, which is obviously the furthest thing from the truth. So that, what is that? That is exactly happening? that is exactly what I was told when I got my implant yeah. in my arm when I was sixteen. That is the exact sentence I was told. I'd forgotten that I was told that until you said it, and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember. Oh yeah, it's weird. It's it's crazy, and it's like the the fact that so many medical professionals who know how it actually functions say that is just it's criminal to me because it's not how it works. Mm. Um. So we get told that the pill tricks your body into thinking you're pregnant. And obviously I've, I've been on the pill in the past as well. I was told the same thing over here in Australia. Um, 
And that's not how it works. So when you have a natural cycle, you have this beautiful dance that happens with your hypothalamus, your HPO axis. You have this beautiful dance that happens where your hypothalamus is sending signals. You have your gonadotropins, FSH and LH. They've got all these positive and negative feedback loops. One rises, one goes down, the other one surges. We ovulate. That's what's happening in a normal menstrual cycle for us to actually ovulate and have a bleed, an ovulatory bleed, because obviously we can have anovulatory bleeds, which is another discussion. So when that's actually occurring, it's this beautiful dance. And when you take the hormonal contraceptive, it stops that first part. It stops any signals coming down to actually ovulate. So that's how it functions. So it's not tricking your body into thinking you're pregnant. It's actually stopping your brain communicating with your ovaries. You're you're at a cellular level stopping how your brain communicates with your ovaries, which is huge. There are some women who, after using hormonal contraceptives, and depending on the contraceptive, you know, if you're using the um, injection, the shot, Depo-Provera, though that's the worst for fertility outcomes, it can take up to 18 months to re return to an ovulatory cycle. And on average, it's about 10 to 12 months to return to ovulation. Whereas when you come off the pill, some women will return to ovulatory cycles within a few months, some. So... At a base level, it's stopping how your brain communicates with your ovaries, which is obviously huge. Yeah. So we're talking about shutting down an entire endocrine system for that to occur because if you think about what I just said, where there's this dance that happens, you have gonadotropins that are increasing and surging, you have estradiol, which is increasing, you have then progesterone increasing after ovulation, you have testosterone that is peaking around ovulation. None of that happens. So mm. everything is basically flatlined. So it's no wonder if you had heavy periods before that your periods aren't heavy anymore because nothing's happening. It's no wonder that if you had issues with you know, higher testosterone or PCOS or, you know, cystic acne or anything like that. So no wonder it's improved if it was being driven from an androgen standpoint because it's all flatlined. So it's important as well when you think about these, it's that the pill doesn't actually fix any of these issues. It just masks them. Yeah. So every single one of these issues has an underlying reason for why it's occurring. And the pill just masks it. And then, you know, Mads was saying before we hopped on, one of her clients about um, has been on and off the pill because she had really bad symptoms. Well, that's what, unfortunately, a lot of women end up in, in the cycle. Mm. Well, take the pill, fixes their symptoms, want to get off the pill, and then their symptoms are blown up tenfold because you've depleted so many things, particularly with the pill. Like the pill sees the greatest depletion of micronutrients and vitamins across the board in terms of magnesium, selenium, B vitamins, vitamin E, vitamin C. It sees the hugest depletion of these, and these are all really important cofactors for a lot of systems and processes in the body. And then you've depleted them. And then you come off the pill and you're surprised that your body's not functioning how it's supposed to. And, you know, you go to the doctor and say, I want to come off the pill. And that's if your doctor even supports you in that. Mm. And there's, there's no support of, hey, okay, well, this is the research we know of, you know, the fact that magnesium is severely depleted. When you come off, make sure you're taking magnesium. 
this is what we know in terms of how de depleted B vitamins are. When you come off, make sure you're taking a therapeutic dose of a B complex, for example, you know, a high quality B complex. Um, and these conversations just aren't had. Yeah. It's, it's scary because like everything you say there completely resonates. And I think that people as well, like the general female population, because they're not educated on this from their GP when they're 15, 16, 17, and they're first given the pill, they don't understand and nobody really understands the effect that this has on other systems in their body. And obviously this is something that we'll touch on and the importance of all these hormones, but it's not just the fact that it stops you from being able to conceive by preventing you having a period. It's all of the other things that these hormones in our body do that have a positive effect on so many systems, whether it's bone health, skin health, all sorts of things that are so vitally important, cognitive function, that taking a contraception, a contraceptive pill or implant or whatever, has such a detrimental impact on. Mm. And this is what people often just do not understand as well. It's just not spoken about. People just don't have the education. It's not even naivety. It's just complete lack of, of, of conversation and, and education around the whole topic. I mean, I've been yeah. going through this um, for uh, coming up to two years. Um, and at no point has any doctor ever said to me, oh, we need to look at your vitamin B, your magnesium, your vitamin C. Never. I don't even think that that's been tested. And I've been with specialist gynecologists and not once has anyone gone to me. Oh, do you use any supplements? Do you use any vitamins or minerals? Nothing. And, and that's such a it's so tricky for me to obviously hear that because I get this like, oh, fuck, I just want to help everyone when it comes to this. And it's so hard for me to hear that. And that's why I'm such a big proponent of your doctor probably isn't the right person to be dealing with women's health issues anyway. Um, and I'm a big fan of going to naturopaths. And obviously, you know, we're talking about Australia versus UK, and I'm not sure um, how established, you know, the holistic health system is in the UK. But I'm a much bigger fan of naturopaths, of nutritionists specific to women's health. And, you know, the the, the nuance is that they have to be specific to women's health because just because you're a nutritionist or a dietitian doesn't mean you specialise specifically in women's mm. health issues. Just because you're a naturopath doesn't mean you specifically know what you're doing with women's health issues, you know. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a much bigger fan of those professionals when it comes to this. And you'd be surprised that a lot of these professionals, if you actually walked in and said, hey, I'm, you know, come off the pill, that would be the first thing they're testing because they're yeah. looking at more holistic changes that they can make. And then kind of coming on to that natural and holistic approach, um, if we were looking at, it's a question that we've been asked quite a lot, if we were looking at what normal, and obviously normal in inverted commas, because what really is normal, but if we were looking at normal and we were saying um, what someone should expect, whether that be two weeks, three months, 12 months, two years afterwards, when they start um, getting their cycle back or even before they go on the pill, we keep getting asked, well, what does, normal, what does a normal cycle look like? How long should it be? And how do I know? Because without going to your friends, well, I had this, this and this and this this month. Did you? You don't really know what normal looks like. So could you just talk us through whether someone is pre or post pill uh, or hormonal contraception, just generally thinking about that at a high level, 
what should be triggers for them to know that maybe their cycle isn't normal? Normal. So let's, I'll, I'll quickly say this about post pill, um, because post pill is just such a absolute wild ride for so many women. Mm. Um, post pill, we're generally looking at about three months before at a best case scenario, you're having an ovulatory cycle. And we'll, we'll circle back to this in a minute, because it's really important to distinguish ovulatory cycles from anovulatory. There are some women who will for about six months will experience post-pill PCOS. So because they've obviously withdrawn that exogenous source of synthetic estrogen and synthetic progestin, um, because they've withdrawn that source, their androgens go crazy. And so they experience post-pill PCOS. And there's still that disruption of how their brain is communicating to their ovaries, so they're not ovulating. So really some women for about six months post coming off the pill won't have a normal cycle. What a normal cycle is supposed to look like is anywhere from about 25, 26, I mean 25 would still be a bit short, 26-ish days to about 35 to 38 days. Anywhere in there is technically a normal cycle. Obviously, you would probably not want it to be pushed out to 38 days as like a consistent cycle. And you will find that the women who have had 38-day cycles consistently, once they make start, start making some holistic changes, that cycle actually decreases, that cycle length. But there's also an important distinction between cycle length and how long we're sitting in each phase of the cycle. So... When you look at phases of the cycle, we have our follicular phase and we have our luteal phase. So that's like the, you know, you ovulate, you're in your luteal phase, prior yeah. to ovulation, you're in your follicular phase. Those can obviously be broken down, early follicular, late follicular, ovulatory, early luteal, late luteal, because it's important to look at how the hormones actually change throughout them. And, you know, if you're looking at early luteal versus late luteal, it's day and night with what your hormones are doing. So you can't lump it all into one. So when we're actually looking at all of that happening, there's a lot going on through the cycle. So we need to also look at like that luteal phase being relatively similar in length to that follicular phase in a best in a best case scenario. That's why you have those 28-day textbook cycles. You ovulate on day 14, 14 days here, 14 days there. So if we're talking about, you know, total cycle length, you might have a... 38 day cycle 30 let's say 35 day cycle which is technically normal but you're ovulating on day 29 so you have spent 28 days in your follicular phase and six days in your luteal phase you have an incredibly short luteal phase so if we're looking at that we're going okay cool well you actually your progesterone isn't as good as we want it to be because if you if you have that short of a luteal phase, your progesterone's not high. Your estradiol is probably a little bit too high to have that long of a follicular phase, and something is going on with your LH to not be able to have a dominant follicle present itself. So what's going on here? So even though we can talk about you know what a normal cycle looks like in terms of length. There's also nuance in terms of when you've actually ovulated in that cycle. So that's really important to distinguish. So 
this is obviously the missing gap and this is what I've been doing or, or trying to create with Femtech. With, with, there's a basal body ring that's going to be launching in the start of next year. And that's actually something that you're wearing, which is tracking your temperature overnight and then telling you where you've ovulated. So that's really important information for women to be having and to actually know what's going on with their cycle. Because mm. if you know, like, you know, for that example as well, if you're trying to get pregnant and you have a 28-day cycle and your knowledge is that you have sex on day 14 and you're ovulating actually on day 20, you're just mistiming where you need to be having sex and you think you're infertile, you think you can't get pregnant, you're just mistiming sex. When you talk about, and, and this is the thing, there's so much nuance in all of these things, then when you talk about, okay, well, I'll just use the ovulation sticks, I'll see where my LH is surging. Women have different LH patterns to how they surge. Some women have short surges. Some women have multiple surges. Some women have a surge and a plateau. Some women never trigger an ovulation stick. So it's really hard to, from that perspective, be like, oh, okay, we'll just use an ovulation stick. So there's so much nuance in what a normal cycle looks like. And we have to focus not necessarily on cycle length, but ovulation date and how long that luteal phase is. So in a perfect world, you'd want to be looking at probably a 10 to 14-day luteal phase. So in a 35-day cycle, you'd want to be ovulating somewhere between day 20 to 25. In a 28-day cycle, you'd want to be ovulating somewhere between day 14 to 18 and, and so on. I think, um, oh, sorry, Mads, I was just going to say, I think it's really important to say, because we've talked about there are alternative methods or alternative kind of options for preventing pregnancy which don't involve pumping your body full of hormones and I had touched upon on my stories if anyone has seen it that I didn't know what to call it but I called it the temperature method I didn't know what the official name was it for um but I have got some friends that had used that for years and they used it to prevent pregnancy and then when they wanted to have children they just continued doing it and it worked really well for them and they and they did have kids and I think that there's this misconception again through lack of education that you can just get pregnant at any time and that um and that you're constantly fertile and and that's not necessarily from my understanding please correct me if I'm wrong Olivia um, but that's not necessarily the case. So I would be really interested in your ring. Um, I, I didn't realise that that was what it did, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, that's that's really interesting. That's very promising as well. I think as well, the, the information that you just gave there around what is a normal or healthy cycle, understanding actually it's not just the time between your bleeds that you need to be looking at. It's actually how long each phase is. Yeah. And when you're actually ovulating and that's something that people need to be considering and not just be thinking, oh, well, my cycle's a little bit longer. It takes me 35 days between bleeds. And actually, maybe there's not a cause for concern there, but maybe a cause to look into it a little bit to try and understand maybe how you are you are through that cycle and how long your phases are. And then maybe you can probably put some kind of logic to maybe feelings through the month or um, even if you are looking to get pregnant or not and actually understanding how your body's working a little bit more because a lot of people don't understand that and one thing that definitely doesn't happen at school when you go through this sexual education process is they don't actually talk to you about 
the female menstrual cycle in terms of phases. So you never right. get told about like the luteal, the follicular ovulation. You just get told that it's every 28 days um, and that's what you should be expecting. And there's no deep level of detail within that to give you any idea of what those things do. So as a coach, obviously, as I've developed over time, I've I've learned more about this and I understand. But that's through own personal education and research. That's nothing that we're told at school. And mm-hmm. it's vitally important as a female to understand that growing up so you can make the right choices regarding contraception, even just around being protected um, as a female in, in terms of one, not getting pregnant or trying to, or even just understanding your own hormonal health so you can understand your own patterns of mood and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And and going back to what you were saying, Hannah, it's the what what you were talking about, the temperature methods, they're called calculothermal methods, if anyone wants to look into them. They're methods where you can confirm ovulation. And once you confirm ovulation, you can have unprotected sex and, and safely know that you won't get pregnant. And what a lot of women do prior to get it or trying to get pregnant is prior to ovulation, they're looking at cervical mucus changes to say, okay, peak mucus, this is what I'm using as my gauge. Cool, I've ovulated. I know if I don't get my bleed in 16 to 18 days, I'm pregnant, which is actually really awesome because if women knew that, for example, you have someone with PCOS who has really irregular cycles, if they knew where they ovulated and knew that, okay, in 14 days, I should get my bleed in the best case scenario, the anxiety that gets actually lifted off the shoulders of those Mm. women who walk around thinking they are pregnant all the time is actually insane. It's a really like quick statistic. The likelihood of getting pregnant for most couples in the first few months of trying is like 10 to 13%. It's really small. When you actually look at the, um, the chances of getting pregnant in terms of like days that you time intercourse on, it's around 20% as far as like timing intercourse prior to ovulation. It's not as high as, as, you know, couples or women or men think it is. It's it's not like you're walking around like a fertile myrtle and you can look at someone and get pregnant <laughs> in the eight days out of your cycle. It's surprisingly difficult. But this isn't told in, in school, right? And I understand no. that obviously you're talking about teenagers, you're talking about, you know, not, not having parts of their brain developed where they're going to think about long-term repercussions. I understand that you're talking about, barrier methods, making sure STDs aren't there, you know, treat it as you can get pregnant anytime because they don't have that body literacy. But that's a huge downfall. Um, so it's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of nuance to it. And women are only able to get pregnant about six days out of every single cycle because that's the sperm life. So once your fertile window opens and what happens is you have these crypts in your cervix. So like you can think of them as like little branches in your cervix that branch out. And once your fertile window opens, if you have unprotected sex until you ovulate, sperm will hang out in those crypts. And then once you ovulate, your crypts flush that sperm out. It's so it's really cool, but it's also really gross. And your <laughs> crypts flush that sperm out. And that's when you can get pregnant. So you might have sex six days before ovulation and get pregnant if it's, you know, primo sperm and a, and a good quality ovulation. Um, but that's six days out of every cycle. You know, the yeah. majority of women who have regular ovulatory cycles without a huge discrepancy in when they ovulate will find that 
around three to four weeks out of every cycle they're infertile depending on how long the actual cycle is and once you ovulate you cannot get pregnant so once that ovulation occurs and that progesterone is being produced fsh and lh those gonadotropins we spoke about at the start they're suppressed and you can't ovulate again this is why you can't get um, pregnant and then ovulate while you're pregnant like they get suppressed you don't ovulate again so that's really important for for women to understand and men to understand as well that's obviously separate to stds and barrier methods and protection and and whatnot but you can't get pregnant as, as easily as you may think and there's actually a lot of women who have been on the pill for you know 10 years because they thought they're going to get pregnant and then they come off the pill to get pregnant and well hello infertility and they can't get pregnant and they're heartbroken so you know whether to say that that's a direct cause of the pill i don't know but quite literally um, preaching to the choir on that one olivia because that is yeah. what's happened to me so i was on the pill for um 10 to 12 years and i've been off or two that's just yeah so i've been told like i'm um infertile and that's not going to happen for me um and there's contradictory kind of opinions on that and i'm i'm accepting of it but i think for those women that are in my position it would be really interesting to know like on a hormonal level what's happening there and why that hormonal contraception shut that down that Mads and I have spoken about and obviously we we touched upon with you before this is the use of testosterone in female hormones and why that's important and it's not something that is is talked about a lot like I've never gone to the doctors and they've gone oh well, we need to look at your free test it's never been something they've talked about it's always um FH and LH that's that's the only thing and ostrodart that's the only thing they ever really talk about yeah, and it's, I mean, did they even talk about where you were in your cycle when you tested those? Because that's important as well. Like if we're talking about testosterone, you're going to have a peak of testosterone around ovulation. Mm. So if we're talking about testosterone levels, they're going to be relatively low. And like, obviously, you know, you can have very low testosterone levels that are low all cycle. That's a different issue. But you're going to have testosterone levels that are relatively low throughout the majority of your cycle and will peak around ovulation so when someone says they have low testosterone levels my first question is where did you actually test your testosterone at what point of your cycle because that's important to know as well mm. and so if you went when you are ovulating and your testosterone levels are low that's really a cause for in investigation we'd say okay this is where they technically should be high what is going on with you here to to see such low levels and further testing later on in your cycle see what's going on there test again um but yeah testosterone is incredibly important in in women's health as are all the hormones obviously because every single one of them has a really crucial role in terms of the menstrual cycle and the menstrual cycle is a really important indicator of what is going on with our health yeah i think that i think it's interesting because and as hannah alluded to there they it's not something that's really spoken about and I think there's this, even if you just type it into Google, for example, it's like, well, testosterone is the male sex hormone. And there's, there's not really much talk about its role in female health and and the way that it 
it drives other hormones as well in the body and then also the role of those other hormones and and with all of these often being suppressed through the contraceptive pill or implant etc then not having you know high readings of ostradiol or high readings of testosterone at certain times of the month like the effect that that then has on the parts other parts of the body which is obviously something we spoke about before we got on this call but I think that's a really important point to touch on and the role of these primary I guess sexual hormones in females and what other roles that they actually do yeah so well there's three that we would focus on estradiol progesterone and testosterone um, as a quick summary, all of them are really important in terms of strength, mood, bone mineral density, energy, libido. All of them have really crucial roles in that sense. When you have deficiencies in any of them, that's when you have deficiencies that, that flow on. So they all work really, really beautifully together. Um, estradiol's role is to build the uterine lining in a menstrual cycle. Um, when we don't have a thick uterine lining, that's when we can have issues with implantation when we're trying to get pregnant. So estradiol builds that uterine lining. Estradiol is also incredibly anabolic for women. So what testosterone is to men, estradiol is to women. It's incredibly anabolic for us. And that's why we have phases prior to ovulation where estradiol is rising, where we feel like absolute goddesses in terms of strength. Like, you know what that feeling is when you go into the gym and it just, everything is like clicking, everything feels strong, you feel really amazing. And then you compare it to when you're um, bleeding, where everything is low and everything just feels shit. Like, you're like, yeah. ugh, it's taking long to recover, everything feels crap. So, estradiol is really important in that sense, really important for mood as well. Progesterone. What progesterone's role is, is to stop that uterine wall contracting. So when progesterone is high, that's when you have longer luteal phases. So estradiol builds that, that uterine wall, progesterone holds it in. Progesterone's really important in terms of what it does for our mood. It is a wonderful, wonderful hormone and what it does with GABA as well. Um, it's important to have high levels of progesterone even if we're not talking about conception testosterone is really important for bone mineral density brain health obviously strength we're talking about when that peak occurs around ovulation how much stronger you're going to feel because you've got estradiol and testosterone sexual function and muscle tone so that peak that we're having with testosterone as well is close to like that day 11 to day 16 in a textbook 28-day cycle. So if you're ovulating on day 20, it would probably be like day 17 to day 21, day 22-ish. That's where you're having those benefits of testosterone. Um, testosterone, like there's a lot of research that has been done, obviously, on testosterone. It's really important in terms of um, dominance in women as well. So they've done a lot of research where if women have low levels of testosterone, they're not assertive. They're not, um, and, you know, it's funny because we were talking about bodybuilding industries where everyone's um, talking about high levels of test and how, like, roid rage and all of that <laughs> bullshit. But testosterone is really important in terms of, like, dominance and having a, um, like, that go-getter attitude where you're wanting to actually achieve things and do things and have, like, a high level of motivation. So when they tested a lot of women 
in these in these studies and scores to see like what their dominance is in assertiveness they actually saw that the women who were most dominant and most assertive had high levels of testosterone so testosterone is really important in that in that sense and we're talking about like you know the difference between really like getting out of bed sometimes for some women and like energy mm. to like tackle the day and and not um so yeah testosterone is incredibly important in that sense it's really interesting that you say that because and not just about testosterone but the other hormones as well that a, a lot of feedback that I get from clients and and people that we've spoken to and people that have come and spoken to me and Hannah we've had a lot of messages about this is that people just feel like they don't have much of a go-getter or they feel quite low or even just there you know Hannah's given this experience where she doesn't really feel a lot she's just very kind of numb to things doesn't have much of a emotional opinion on a lot of things and doesn't have much energy or effort to really care about a lot and and I've had that feedback a lot through people just giving their experience of when they've been on contraception and just been like oh well I thought that was normal Mm. you know and actually signs of of depression and you know I've I've got clients who take or have had clients who take contraceptive um contraceptive hormonal contraceptives and have also then had issues with their mental health and now I'm not saying that they're always directly correlated but there is a correlation in my opinion for some for some people where that does bring their mood down and then they come away from it and they spend some time you know regaining their cycle and suddenly they feel more human again and their mood lifts and okay they have slightly lower periods in their menstrual cycle where you know they have more down days but generally they feel a little bit more human and they've got a little bit more feeling and they can understand their body a bit more and they know when their their periods come in and they know when they're ovulating because they get these sense of highs and lows that they just never got previously. So it's interesting, mm-hmm. you know, it's good, I think, for the listeners to hear this because it probably gives them a lot of answers to try and understand why they maybe feel the way that they feel. Yeah, and I think it's um, – I know what it's like to listen to podcasts as well and and hear something where, you know, someone's saying testosterone is really important for mood and for it to have like that, oh, my God, it's, it's my testosterone, like that's what it is. Whereas in reality, it's obviously like there's a lot of layers to this. Like, yes, it could be testosterone. It could also be other things as well. But it do, it is important to have that, you know, distinction um, and, and like a start point of where to investigate. I think in terms of what you just said about um, Hannah not having like that, oh, well, you know, don't really care, not that energy or mood or whatever attitude, um, that's also really crucial to, to remember that when we're talking about the pill and what I said in, at the very start, we see the hugest depletion of micronutrients when on the pill. One of the key nutrients that we actually see a depletion in is B6. So B6 is really critical for mood stabilization. So what it does is it helps to convert tryptophan to serotonin. It's essential for the synthesis of dopamine. So like that, yep, go get it attitude, kind of what you're seeing with dopamine. Norepinephrine, GABA and melatonin. And it's necessary for the conversion of tryptophan to both niacin and serotonin. That's depleted when on the pill significantly. So what we're saying is when women are on the pill, they actually need higher doses of B6 when they're on the pill. And then that's depleted when off the pill. So funnily enough, B6 is a key nutrient that we're looking at when women have PMS or PMDD and issues with with those two um, conditions. And when B6 is low, you have issues with that. Then you get put on the pill to deal with 
you know, your menstrual cycle issues, your PMS, PMDD, and then the pill depletes B6 further mm. and then you come off the pill and everything is even worse than it was before. So, yeah, testosterone could be an issue. B6 could be an issue. Magnesium could be an issue. Could be fucking all of them combined mm. into one big clusterfuck where you've gone, great, now where do I even start? Um, so I guess that's the importance of what we're saying, the the right practitioner to work with to actually test these things and know where to start because it is hard. It's like, you know, steroid pathways, when you look at how hormones are made, they're really complicated. Mm. They're really, really complicated. And for the average person who doesn't have a science background, understanding them is probably not going to happen. It's it's quite like, you I mean, you have experts sitting in steroid pathways for their whole lives who still don't understand them properly. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's a lot. My, my heart does break for obviously women who come off the pill and experience all of these things. Yeah, and I think the thing that I have probably realised in the last few weeks since we started this um, series is that there are probably a lot of women in my situation, but they just don't know it yet. And they've, and then we spend so much of our lives trying not to get pregnant that then because there's no education around it we go ah I'm ready to do it now so we come off the pill or we come we have this implant taken out or we stop having our injections and then we're like okay let's get it and then it doesn't happen okay we've got no we've got no period okay right so that's probably not a good sign but equally no one actually ever says to you well if you're not having a period you're probably not going to have a baby that's that's actually and it's so basic but that's probably not something that some people will know um and then on top of that then you start to stress and again seems quite basic to some but other people wouldn't necessarily know that that stress is going to play a part in it um and then when you do start going to the doctors most of them don't really know where to even begin and if you have any idea about so say you're you're in you're interested in this industry or or you take an interest in female health and you go to a doctor and you go right I've had a private blood test done here are my results from that and like you say Olivia I was at this point of my cycle because a lot of these private blood work companies do ask you when was your last bleed and and kind of asking for days and times of the month etc even if you take that to your your GP they don't really know what to do with it so it's that it's that hump of but where do they start? What 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 does someone do when they're coming off of hormonal contraception? What's their go to? Like, what would you say to them? What should you look out for? What should you track? What's the benefits? And then at what point do you go? OK, well, it's not happening for me. So what do I do now? Um. That I mean, that's such a good question. Um, there's so as a very like first step that you would do when you come off of the pill is you would obviously start tracking your cycle because a lot of women, when they're on the pill, they look at the packet and go, oh, period in two weeks. So first and foremost, start tracking your cycle. Understand and don't stress about the fact that your cycle is probably going to be AWOL or all over the place for six months as a minimum. 
when it's it's important because when you have that like mindset shift and you anticipate it, just like you anticipate the fact that post comp you're going to gain weight and you prepare yourself from it, it makes it less of a shock when it actually occurs. So, you know, it's the same thing with women who experience postpartum hair loss. Nothing you can do to stop postpartum hair loss. It's part and parcel of having a baby. When you understand that it's going to happen, it will be at its worst four months postpartum and then it will improve. It allows you not to stress about it. You go, cool, hit four months. From here, it's only up. When you start stressing, because stress and and obviously cortisol, right, they are our survival hormones. When you start stressing and when you look at how hormones are produced, they're all produced from cholesterol. And then if you look at cortisol, it will always be a priority for production. So when you stress, your body will always prioritise cortisol production. It's our survival hormone. That's how we survive. So obviously, if you go back to like caveman times, like stress is when you're being chased by a lion. Stress is when you're, you know, that's that's happening. Stress for us comes in numerous ways. We're talking about um, personal stress, relationship stress, too little calories, too much training, not managing sleep. Those are the things that we're talking about as far as stress. Obviously, then endocrine disruptors, all of, all of that other shit. But if you mentally prepare and understand, and then you're tackling the fact that you're not stressing your body out more, that's going to help you in terms of coming off the pill. So start tracking the cycle and start managing your stress. Those two things are the main thing. From there, if you're open to fertility awareness methods, that's when you would start to look at what you were talking about, Hannah, you know, temperature tracking, seeing where you ovulate, paying attention to cervical mucus changes. And all of these methods can be self-taught, but it's obviously better to work with an instructor. Same thing. You can go to the gym and learn how to squat by yourself. It's a hell of a lot easier if you get a coach. You can go and compete in a bodybuilding show. It's a hell of a lot easier if you have a coach. Um, So looking at potentially fertility awareness instructors to help you through that that journey so you learn that body literacy I mean there's a lot of resources as well there's a great Instagram profile called Fertility Friday so she posts all about fertility awareness methods and the symptothermal method so she's a fantastic resource if anyone is interested in looking Fertility Friday so starting there start tracking manage stress understand that you're in for a bit of a, a shit show and start paying attention to obviously what is happening with your hormones throughout. As I said at the start, you have the hugest depletion of micronutrients when you're on the pill. So it's a little bit different when you're on the pill versus, you know, mini pill, any IUDs, any Implanon, anything like that. Um, So you'd really be looking at trying to replace all of those nutrients, doing some functional testing, where your B vitamins, your vitamin C, your red blood cell, magnesium, look at all of those things and see where you are. And really working on, because like we mentioned in the start, I'm more about the holistic changes. I don't apply allopathic models of like, here, just take this supplement, take this supplement. Really look at what your lifestyle is doing. You know, are you going to bed at 1am every single night scrolling on Instagram? Well, that's not actually conducive to your health in the slightest, and that's not going to be conducive to your menstrual health. So making all of those changes to support your body to be as healthy as possible. And I know healthy is like this buzz term where like what is health but we know that going to bed at 1am isn't conducive 
to our health. We know that sitting on Instagram and scrolling before bed while we lie in bed, even if we're going to bed at, you know, 10 p.m. isn't good. We know that eating 1,400 calories a day isn't good. We know that not managing stress, being in a bad relationship, eating shit food, we know none of that is not good for us. So really tackling it from that perspective and then using supplements to, to fill any of the holes. So vitamin C, vitamin E, selenium. Um, you'd want to be careful with iodine, obviously, if you haven't tested your thyroid and all your thyroid antibodies. Um, B vitamins, magnesium, looking at really supplementing those and making sure that you're rich in your diet with those as well. Thank you. I think that's very good advice. I think that, I think the main thing that I'm picking up from there as well for people listening here is managing expectations of what that looks like. So you're coming 100%. off the pill, manage your expectations. You're coming off the pill and you may have been on it for six months. You may have been on it six years or 16 years or longer. I spoke to a girl the other day who's been on the pill for 20 years, um, started it when she was 15 and she's 35 and she's like, what do I do now? Because I would like kids in the future. And, you know, it's been, that is normal. Like, <laughs> like you, no one can see this, but you've got your head in your hands now. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, that's her norm- normality for her, her whole life. And what is she going to do? And managing those expectations to say, well, you just need to be aware that actually, this is probably what you're going to have to expect as a minimum. So don't be alarmed within the first six months if you might have a bleed, but it's not really a period. And maybe it takes a while to come back. And maybe, you know, you might feel a certain way for a while and and just be patient and try and do the right things to try and get things moving. And if after a short period of time, you're concerned and things are happening, then reach out to people who are specialists. And, you know, we'll tag you um, at the end. We'll ask you, obviously, for your Instagram, Olivia. But, you know, if people want to reach out to you and, and you can, you know, you do consultation calls, you can give people advice, you know. And there, there are other specialists out there that people can reach out to that's not necessarily within their, within the NHS in the UK and their GP. But managing those expectations, I think, is really important. So touching on that about realistic expectations, um, I think is really helpful for people just to understand that this isn't an overnight fix just because you come off the pill. Like, OK, I'm fixed now and I'm going to have my period and I'm going to be normal. It doesn't quite quite work like that. Yeah, and I think the the difficulty is that obviously you will always have anomalies to the rule where you're always going to have someone who comes off the pill, no problem, and is pregnant you know, two, three months later. And that makes it really tricky because as as humans, we'll always look to like that positive of like that hope. Oh, it's not that bad. They they come off, they didn't have any issues. Yeah. You know? My friend came off the pill, didn't have any issues. And the reality is that you should always prepare yourself for the worst possible outcome. As negative as that may be, you should always prepare yourself for the worst possible outcome and then expect a good outcome from, sorry, it, be surprised with a good outcome from there. Um, so in terms of the pill, you know, it's real, like you said, really preparing your mindset for the fact that it is probably going to be a long journey. Um, and you know what you were just saying about um, your client who's been on the pill for such a long time and she's 35 and has said, you know, I might want to have kids in the future. That's for, for me, that's so hard to hear because it's like you've got someone who has been on the pill for, you said, 16 years. And 20, 20 years. 30, 20 years. From and then 15 to 35. 
and they are coming off the pill to have kids in the future, like your future was is now. Like I'm not going to say it was five years ago, but your future is now. If you're talking about kids at 35, we see huge decreases in fertility when we're talking about women once they get to that 35, 36 area. And of course, it's it's not across the board. And of course, men play a huge role as well. But you, if you're thinking about having children and you are in your 30s and you're thinking that you can come off the pill and get pregnant the next month, you should really be looking at coming off the pill at least two years prior to wanting to conceive because yeah. if you find out that there's any issues that you need to fix, you want to be, and the analogy I use is like, you want to be a loaded gun. You want to make sure that your gun is clean, that nothing's going to get stuck in the chamber, the trigger pulls, and when you are ready to use it, it's 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 done, right? So that's the same thing with fertility when we're talking about getting pregnant. If you're in your 30s and you're thinking about having kids, you should be coming off the pill at least two years before. We see huge depletions in folate. So it's really important to know that the pill actually depletes B9, folate, and a lot of women come off the pill to conceive. And what's the thing that everyone is told in terms of pregnancy, prenatal, folate? Everyone knows that folate is really important with, with pregnancy. So when you have a deficiency in these, it actually increases your risk for miscarriages. Um, so it's like you're you're taking something that's depleting something that you need to get pregnant, and then you're you're surprised that obviously you're coming off the pill and and you're having a hard time getting pregnant. It's it's such a tricky, tricky, obviously topic, and there's so much nuance to it. But it's like you know when I hear that a woman is 35 and might want kids in the future that like gives me anxiety because I'm like oh god like if if you have been on the pill for so long and potentially taken away your your opportunity to have children because this wasn't something that was spoken about with you from your doctor it wasn't spoken about and you've now potentially lost your ability to have children and I know that that's such like a fight like a final comment to say where it's like really hard to hear but it's it's serious. Like you might have been on the pill for that long of a time where you are now past the point where fertility is at its peak and you're going to see a natural decline in fertility anyway and you've got a lot of issues to work through. So it's really hard to to hear that kind of stuff from, from my perspective where it just, uh, yeah. But as you said, there are exceptions to every rule. So if she's listening to this, I don't want her yeah. to feel stressed or worried. Or if anyone is in that boat and thinking, fuck me, this rings a bit true. I don't want anyone to feel stressed about it because there is not one rule for one and one rule for another. Mads and I were almost in the same situation and had very different experiences. Um, but like you say, it's about being prepared for it. It's about setting yourself the expectation of this this could be my situation it's not necessarily but it could be and if I want to deal with it then following the guidance that you've given um on this episode about the best ways to approach things and to track certain things like temperature and look at your sleep look at your nutrition look at um your maybe it's blood work or, or maybe it's not blood work but yeah. generally just looking at where you're 
your natural um, levels are, I guess, um, to put it very, very basic. Um, and what, yeah, and what I, I, I was going to say, what I hope from this as well, and you, you speaking like that, Olivia, is is that not to not to start kind of scaremonger, and we've been saying this since like episode one, it's more that this is here to educate and hopefully understanding and listening to that makes people think, and this <laughs> We're not jumping on this podcast to say to everyone, oh, my God, if you take the pill, stop tomorrow. But we kind yeah. of are. But we kind of are because we're kind of saying, you know, we don't want to scaremonger people, but we want to just educate you so you can make an informed choice around what you're actually doing. Because most people who are taking hormonal contraception are doing it under a non-informed way. Like, you know, they're not doing it because they're doing it because it, it solves their short term problem or their short term goal. But with no information around the detrimental impact it could have on their future. So, you know, everything that we've spoken about and the reason why we brought you on, Olivia, was because you can give a really good overview of everything and the real importance with more depth and and specificity that, you know, for people to hear that I'm hoping rings like really true to people. Yeah, and I think what you said is just it's it's so important to, to really make a point of what you just said. If you don't have informed consent, it is not informed consent. And informed consent comes from both positive and negative outcomes. So it's so important to understand both aspects. And if you hear this and you're still on the pill and you go, you know what, don't really care that much, great information to have, still for me the pill is the right choice, great. You've now got informed consent. You've actually listened to positive and negative and you can make a decision for your health. But the reality is that the overwhelming majority of women don't have that when they're given the pill. You know, if I had been told when I was, oh God, 21, it's a long time ago. If I'd been told at 21 that this is what the pill actually does, here is where we see all of the depletions, here, is, here are all of the issues that it can cause, you know, in terms of depression, weight gain, libido, all of these things, then would I have taken it? Probably not. Not knowing me and what was important to me at the time, probably not. But that's not what how it was sold to me. It was sold to me that I have PCOS, I have irregular periods, and this tricks your body into thinking you're pregnant and you're going to now have regular periods. That's how it was sold as a 21-year-old. And I was like, okay, great. No problem. No, no painful periods, no irregular periods. I'll at least know when I'm going to have my period because at 21, I didn't know what I know now and I didn't have that level of body literacy. And there wasn't coaches like there are now. There there wasn't coaches like, like you to actually listen and help women. You didn't have informed consent. No, no, they didn't. Um, yeah. And there wasn't, you You wouldn't be able to find people for your issues, whereas now, obviously, you can. So I think that, yeah, it's, we could we could honestly talk all day about this. It will turn into like a six-hour podcast. <laughs> I know, I was just thinking, you okay, best so. friends with all your listeners at the end. <laughs> and I was just thinking, okay, so now we've touched on PCOS, which we did want to talk about. So maybe we should save that for another day. But, yeah, there's, I think, we've given a really good overview there before we just completely fry people's brains Mm. um, that, you know, we've spoken a lot about what the pill or what hormonal contraception and specifically the pill does, how it works and the important role of the female hormones within the body and why we need to look after them. And then also the expectations of coming away from that. And I think that's a really 
like detailed bit of information for for the listeners that in terms of level of detail we haven't gone into that much and this is obviously why we wanted to speak to you Olivia because it's your speciality and you can roll it off the tongue and you can talk in detail about these things um so I'm I'm really grateful for having you on and if potentially you would be happy to come speak to us about some more specific issues from questions that we've got in the like in the future episodes that would be amazing um but I've I've learned a lot as well and it's been really good to listen to you and I think obviously people can't see our faces but even just me and Hannah listening to you and I know Hannah can relate to a lot of these things that you're talking about it's been really interesting to kind of pick up on some of the stuff that you're saying and it just yeah. resonates and yeah I'm really grateful for you sharing yeah 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 thank you it's um I think the it's it's sometimes hard for me because obviously like you can rattle off so much science and literature and tread not not to say dumbing it down but taking it to a level where the average person is going to understand and go oh okay this is what that means is really important so you know there's a lot of things we spoke about which of course we could go into much higher detail you know if we're talking about estradiol and progesterone there's a lot of detail we can go into when we're talking about that but for you know your listeners who want to now understand and have a lot more places to to research and read as well that's really important um it's i think it's important to note as well that all of the things that we've said are incredibly well document documented through literature as well but zinc is important for ovulation and menstrual health and, and health in general. It's been well documented since the late 1960s that the oral contraceptive depletes zinc significantly. Um, so all of what we're saying is really easy for listeners to find. Um, and, in, you know, if there's any um, recommended reads or anything that anyone wants, please shoot us a message um because there's so much information out there and it can be really hard to wade through it so i'm hoping that you know where we've started is just a really great place for a lot of your listeners to kind of go okay cool and be really proactive about their health and um potentially reconsider why they may have been on the pill because i know a lot of women go on the pill to prevent pregnancy where at 15 maybe an un unexpected pregnancy would have been the worst thing to happen to you as a 15 year old but maybe as a 25-year-old, an unexpected pregnancy actually isn't the worst thing in the world. Like it's it's unexpected, but is it life-ruining? Yeah. Maybe yeah. not for that woman, but that's not a thought that they've ever reconsidered. You know, you might have been in a stable relationship, engaged, married, whatever, for the last five years. You know, this is the person you want to spend your life with. And, hey, an unexpected pregnancy actually isn't the worst thing. And then, yeah. you know, Think about women who are in same-sex relationships. The, that risk of a pregnancy isn't actually there and you're taking the pill for a menstrual issue, which that's what the pill is pre prescribed for a lot of the time is, is like a Band-Aid. You're taking the pill for a menstrual issue, which actually we can fix holistically. We can actually, if you work with the right practitioner, we can actually deal with this. So, yeah, I think that's really important to note. So I hope that, that your listeners aren't overwhelmed with anything that we've gone through I know I think um there there were moments where if anyone else is feeling like this that I was like fuck me I'm lost but you always brought it back at the end of the sentence that I'd be like oh no no yeah, yeah that makes sense now um and I appreciate the fact that this is 
this is your special specialist subject if we're talking about mastermind um and so you will be able to go into more detail and i think there will be people that are listening to this now that go i want to know more um i want to speak to olivia more i'd maybe like to learn more about um the holistic approach and looking at things from a natural perspective and also people that maybe are interested in this basal method as well um so off the back of that if they wanted to contact you for any support any questions um, or if they wanted to work with you how would they get in touch with you so my instagram is the lifting doula um, my other business is fem.tek on Instagram. So fem.tek, femtech, that's the basal body ring that will be launching. So that's something that can be used to gain more body literacy. Um, and my Instagram, obviously, if you have any questions or anything that I can help you with, obviously, in terms of like very specific issues that you might be experiencing without deep diving into what's going on it's hard to answer but if there's any resources that I can provide you with or any places to read more than happy to to direct famous last words my Instagram yeah. blows up with like 100 messages of like hey what book <laughs> you're just gonna get loads of voice notes from women going so <laughs> sorry this is, this is what I've been experiencing yeah. settle in because you're, you're here for story time now um, um, I love, love a story time. No, but, I really, yeah, sorry, go on, Matt. No, I was going to say, I just really appreciate it. I think it's been, I think it's been great to speak to you. And I think even just working out, we've got the time difference and, you know, we nailed you down for a call and I think it's been super helpful. And I resonate what Hannah said about, you know, reaching out to you for some advice or, you know, consult or whatever, if people want some more specific information, because I'm sure as we've given more education and information on this subject, we've ended up with more questions. And that's always what happens. Yeah. We've called it Pandora's box because that is essentially what it is. We've started talking about things. And as we give a bit of information, it raises questions and people want to know more and they want to know how they can relate that to themselves. So, yeah, if people have questions, um, if that if Olivia's happy to take them, then please obviously go her way. Or if you can't find her on Instagram, we will direct you. Um, but, yeah, I really appreciate it, Olivia, and appreciate your time. And if we do have more and there is some big subjects to talk about that people are really pushing, if you if you'd be happy to speak again in the future on, on another episode, that would be really, really much appreciated, I think, by myself and Hannah and probably everybody else. Absolutely. Would love to jump on. And I think the last thing I'll I'll leave the listeners with, um, because obviously I know that we we spoke about a lot, is that when we're talking about hormones, all of our hormones have important cofactors for production there's a lot of micronutrients minerals that we need so when we're talking about hormone production we want to really focus on what they need to be produced so well, we can obviously open that pandora's box again in another episode but i think that's a really important thing for for all of the listeners to remember that all our hormones have things they need to be produced and if you're not getting those things you're going to have issues with your hormones yeah a good foundation for a good period absolutely love that love that (laughs) we've got we're just building foundations here this is all we're doing um foundation foundation foundation. eat your greens and get your sleep essentially yeah (laughs) but there's a little bit was that easy (laughs) well yeah there's a little bit (laughs) instantly runs to the kitchen and eats spinach just instantly (laughs) like is this yeah no, but all jokes aside, um, 
the, the information you've given has been incredible it's invaluable um and i think uh, something i've always touched upon is time for me is a massive massive gift because it's the one thing that you can't get back and it's the one thing you can't buy so i massively appreciate you giving up the time to speak to mads and i and to be open to speaking to others and and to come back onto pandora's box again in the future it means a lot no thank you it's been it's been a great chat thank you very much Right, I will tag everyone's uh, Instagrams in the description of the podcast. So if you're listening thinking, oh, I can't remember where to find Olivia, just have a little look in the description and that will be in there. And until next time, thank you very much for listening and we'll speak to you soon.